This scripture reading and the following address were part of the YouTube streamed worship service from St Paul's Lutheran Church, Box Hill, Victoria, Australia, on October 9th, 2022. For more information, visit www.stpaulsboxhill.org.au. According to Luke chapter 17. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. How might you describe your witness as a disciple of Jesus for what he has done for you? That's one of the questions I'd like to pose today. When you leave the church today, what will people see in you? What will they hear from you? Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, when the Holy Spirit comes to you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and further in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And what we're putting up here is a diagram that we sometimes show at St Paul's. We call this our circles of mission as we think about how our response of faith is one of witness in the world and both locally to the people maybe that uh, we have in our lives on a regular basis, daily basis, and then fanning further and further out, even as Jesus says, you'll be my witness witnesses to the ends of the earth. So as we consider that witness, what does Jesus see in you? And what does he see in me? What does he see in us together as church, I wonder, at this time? It's a big question for me as a pastor of the church, and especially as our congregation has put forward a proposal to the church to be considered at our convention of synod coming up soon, as the pastors of the church meet this coming week to consider all manner of business, one of uh, uh, those aspects that they are called to consider are those matters of theology and those things that affect the church pastorally. Um, and they'll be considering those things, including what we've put forward in a proposal. We're going to gather in a place called Tanunda in the Barossa Valley in South Australia, the same place where 56 years ago in October, the church gathered for the very first time um, as the LCA. 
And I showed this slide last week. There's one there of Adelaide Oval. That happened from a year before, but it's still on the slide today. But there's people gathering in worship in Tanunda 56 years ago when two, the two churches that had been apart came together. And as I've spoken to some people who were either there or some of the stories that I've heard, there was a great outpouring of thanksgiving as the people gathered in Tanunda, they went on onto the, excuse me, microphone, sorry, I'm waving my hands around, as they gathered in worship on the Tanunda Oval in 1966. That was a large part of the witness of the church at that time. What's our witness today? And what might the gospel be saying to us in that? Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, send again your Holy Spirit to us as we dwell with Jesus in your word. Open our lives to receive his healing grace and help us to respond in faith with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we consider our witness, let's join Jesus, shall we? He is on his way to Jerusalem, Luke tells us. He's very pointedly telling us this here uh, in chapter 17. When we read the whole Gospel of Luke, we'll find that we might already be aware that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem at this point. Because a few, some chapters earlier in Luke chapter 9, Luke tells us when the days drew near for him to be taken up, that is for Jesus to come to his ultimate place of, of the ministry of his sacrificial love for us on the cross, he set his face. He set his face to go to this place. This is, this is a mission. This is a witness to the whole world of what his love for us and his grace for us is all about. And as we get to chapter 17, Jesus is getting close to Jerusalem because just in a couple of chapters time we'll meet him in Jerusalem in Luke chapter 19. Luke is very pointed in the detail that he tells us. He's traveling to Jerusalem and he's in this country between Galilee and Samaria. He's walking in the place of the margins, the place between people of very different situations if you will. Along the way He's been teaching, proclaiming the sheer grace of God. And this um, image that comes up on the screen tells us about one of those teaching places that Jesus picks up on his way to Jerusalem. In Luke 15, and we might know Luke 15 pretty well because this is the stories, or the, the parables I should say, that Jesus tells of those things that are lost and then are found. That lost child who goes on his way, taking the inheritance early from the father, wasting it, turning his back on his family's love, and then coming to a place of utter desperation and turning back to the one who will not only show him mercy, but will come running to him to do this. The celebrating, welcoming father. So this is the journey that Jesus is on. He's teaching, he's preaching, and he's coming to people. And the world is about to fully witness in Luke's gospel, as I say, not long after this, the full wonder and grace of God as Jesus gives himself on a cross. And so as he closes in on Jerusalem and this cross, he meets these ten, these ten who are suffering from a disease, 
suffering from something that makes them unclean and unable to worship. You know, we give thanks to God for our church, and I do. I give thanks to God for you. Uh, And these people are on the outer side. So they know something of this Jesus. They cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he does. He says, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, this shouldn't be surprising that Jesus says this. This was um, the, the ritual act that they would undertake having been healed. In fact, as I say, if you read Luke's gospel in its fullness we'd be able to look back and say, well, this happened before. Early in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus meets someone suffering from this same disease. Go show yourself to the priest. And that's what this person does. Jesus crosses the boundaries here in meeting and healing this person. He's going even further at this point as he walks in the margins of society here as well. What will be their response, these ten. What is their witness? As they recognise that they are cleansed. Well, Luke tells us that one of them on the way notices he's cleansed and turns back, worshipping at Jesus' feet, praising God with a loud voice, giving thanks. This word for giving thanks, by the way, is the same words that we'll read in in the accounts of the giving of the Lord's Supper as we hear about Jesus giving thanks today as we come to the meal of thanks, the Eucharist, it's that same word. It comes from this word Eucharist. Jesus says, weren't ten healed? Well, where are the others? Only one has returned and he's a Samaritan. Go on your way, your faith has made you well. There's a sharp contrast that Jesus makes, I think, in these words of the response that's made in witness to Jesus' healing. One comes back to give thanks and the other nine don't. As I say, as we read on in Luke, we'll see with the rest of the world the the fullness of the grace of God as Jesus arrives in Jerusalem as he gives his life for you and for me. What will be the response of those who hear that good news? What's your response? What's our response together? In Luke's gospel, it's interesting, I think, that the response of faith is often found in those uh, who's, who receive much. There are four times that we hear this somewhat strange phrase that Jesus uses or something close to it get up go your faith has made you well you know let me just mention those four times because in each of these occasions it's not the faith of the person that's doing the healing it's quite clear that Jesus is the healer Jesus is the one who saves so for example in Luke chapter 7 Jesus says to someone your faith has saved you go in peace These words are said to a woman that Luke describes as a sinful woman who wiped Jesus' feet with her tears and who extravagantly poured out expensive perfume on his feet. People wondered what she was doing, even uh, said this was not the right thing. 
But this woman knows fully who this one is for her. And Jesus says to those around, the one who has been given much also loves greatly. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The second place in Luke's gospel follows just one chapter later, where Jesus says to a woman, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. He says this to a woman who's been subject to bleeding for 12 long years. Again, she's on the outer. She reaches out in faith and touches Jesus and sits trembling at his feet. And she hears Jesus say to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And the third time was actually in our uh, reading, but the the following time, and this is where we're getting very close to the cross again, is a man who is blind, who receives his faith, as receives his sight, and he hears Jesus say, Receive your sight, your faith has healed you. And he's the one who's cried out, Lord, have mercy. The same cry that these uh, people with leprosy makes. And it's interesting that Luke, Luke details that upon his being healed, he praises God again with a loud voice and all of the people follow him doing the same. Luke points out that those who hear these words are people who have received much and often as they are, are, are spoken to in these words of Jesus, their response to his presence is very different from the others around them. What is our witness to the healing love and grace of Jesus? This year, it's probably well known by people in our community that my wife Sue was diagnosed with breast cancer. She underwent major surgery, which has brought her to a good place. Each step along the way, I was thanking God. I want to say thank you to you who ministered to us in such wonderful ways. I thank God today that Sue's doing well. She, we have received much. And I've reflected upon that, that I reckon I've never thanked God so much in my life. I reckon that's true. But in that place of thankfulness, it also gave cause for me to recognise that in so much of my life around that, my witness is one much less of thanksgiving and more of, I don't know, something else. It's given me pause to thought, and I'm actually going through as part of my devotional life every place that I can find where God talks about thanksgiving. One of those places is in the wedding text that we had in Colossians chapter 3 that I preached on last Sunday, that in five short verses I'm invited, called upon to be thankful. And I am. But I recognise that my life is so often full of myself that I resemble less the one who gave thanks and more the nine who maybe just go about doing their duty in life. How about you? Life can bring its struggles, can't it? When we think about sickness, again, it's not the strength of my faith which brings healing, and yet it can bring, be testing to our, to our faith and to our lives when the healing doesn't come. You know, COVID has has wrought havoc on our lives in so many ways, none the least of which has been in our church. Sometimes it's just frustration and anger that I can't achieve 
something that I want to achieve and people get in my way. Sometimes that even happens in the church. Sometimes I find myself just focusing on the negative and the people who, who disagree with me. I focus on the things that I don't have rather than the abundance that I do have. The struggle that we might face together in this land where less and less people profess to being a Christian and we you know, might find that difficult to live among others sometimes. And the struggle of our church where we have faithfully, that's been my witness of, of our church at least as I've lived the journey in the Lutheran Church of Australia, where we have faithfully placed ourselves under the word as best we can and yet we've come on the matter of ordination to two very different places. The struggles of life where sin still invades, where sometimes I find myself with Paul in Romans chapter 7 just simply saying, why do I keep doing the stuff that I don't want to do? As I have stopped, it seems to me that I, that you and I, that we together have much need for God's mercy and grace today. The cry of the ten is one I think we can put on our lips. Lord, have mercy. We might join those ten today. We might join the one, Paul in Romans 7, crying out, who will rescue me from this, this body of death because of sin? What will be our witness? With Paul, as Jesus comes amongst us, we can surely say, today, tomorrow, and in life, thanks. Thanks be to God who delivers me from this body of death. It is perhaps in the recognition of the hardest, darkest places that the sheer magnitude of grace becomes fully evident. In the Eucharist today, the meal of thanks, God will see you and I both in the in the dark places of our hearts, but also through the lens of his son, through the lens of that cross and resurrection, through the gift of grace, which is surely yours and ours again today. You know, sometimes I recognise we say at the beginning of the Eucharist, it is fitting and right that we should in all places and at all times give thanks. And I know I struggle to do it, and yet Jesus comes to us again today. This is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And we'll have the opportunity today to say we thank you, Lord, for this healing gift. Might it be our prayer today and our prayer tomorrow, our prayer in the dark and hard places and in the places of joy. In a few weeks' time, we'll celebrate as church the Reformation again, the place of grace, and if there was ever a time of grace in our church, this again is it, as it always is every day, isn't it? Please pray for our church. Please pray that we might together be people of grace. For Jesus comes amongst, amongst us, full of that healing grace. And he goes with us, with you, to the people he prepares to bring the healing balm of the gospel through your living. May our shared witness be one of thanks for the healing we've received and the good news that we can take. So, fellow healed ones, go on your way, for the Son of God has saved you and the Spirit has given you saving faith to share with your witness 
of thanks. Amen. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.